0: that our God is greater, stronger, man, uh, Romans, the last part of Romans 8 is just going through my mind, man, because there's nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, amen? Guys, it is so great to be back, man, I'm just like in awe. This morning I walked in, and these guys were practicing worship. I just felt like this is where I need to be. This is where I need to be, just with my peeps, for one, but just in the house of the Lord, man. And just worshiping with Him, and just worshiping Him, because He is mighty to be saved, mighty to, to save. And so I'm just so grateful for all you guys, your kindness, your prayers, all the stuff, you know, that's gone on in the last few weeks uh, of my life, and uh, just being able to be held up by you in prayer, and by, um, by the Lord, you know, just allows me to press into Him when that pain is there, you know, that hurt. And so, ah, man, I'm just so glad to be back. Um, I know the other pastors here, man, have just nailed it, fed you, ministered to you, man. Um, God is just so good to us as a little church here in Phelan, that God has just poured out His Spirit upon this place. And so... Again, man, I just want to bless you and bless the Lord in all that happens. And so it's been about a month since we were last in the book of Revelation. And so I want to invite you to go to Revelation chapter 14. Man, oh man, it's again, Now we, we, we got into the Palm Sunday message and then we got right into the Easter morning, Sunday morning message. A few weeks ago and then again being off for the last two weeks. Um, So I want to jump right in. Uh, We we, we already started it uh, a month ago, but let's go from verse 1 and we will read to verse 13. Um, That's as far as we're going to get today from verse 6 to 13. And so in verse 1 of Revelation 14 it says, Then I looked and behold the Lamb standing on Mount Zion. And with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no deceit. For they are without fault before the throne of God. Verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven with the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth the sea, the springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark, On their forehead or on their hand, on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or night. Who worship the beast and the image, and who receive, who receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandment of God, the commandments of God, and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write, blessed are the dead, who die in the lord from now on yes says the spirit that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them father i pray your blessing even upon your word right now lord god as we have read it and lord as i begin to expound on it lord god i pray your spirit would just fall upon me as i convey this message to our brothers and sisters lord god that you would do the the work, Lord God, through your Spirit. Anything that's not of you, Lord, let it fall by the wayside. That, God, you would just speak to our hearts and speak to anybody who might be here this morning who does not know you or has been playing a game with you, Lord God. I pray that even this morning you would capture their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. What we covered a, a month ago or in the first Verses The first five verses of this chapter a, a while ago was a group of, of God's special people. Now these special people were, were not a group of, of better people by any means, but a people of God who, who had been set apart for a specific time in history for a specific purpose. These were 144,000 Jewish men that were called for the tribulation time. This time where, where God now focuses back onto the nation of Israel and He would use, He will use His people to minister to His people. He gets 144,000 men in this time period who, who, have, who have not gone the way of the world but have been set apart sanctified if you will for the specific purpose of ministering to not just the world but but to their nation these jewish men they were sealed or protected by god with his name written on their foreheads they are sealed and no one can touch them they are they they are indestructible in this Period of tribulation so that they can do the work of God during this time. And they, this 144,000, they will be an irritation, an annoyance, a nuisance, if you will, to the beast and to the false prophet. Because their main job in that time frame is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ during the time of the Antichrist, where the Spirit of God has been taken out of the world and all hell has has broken loose in this world. And these guys are standing up like no other. Like no other, man. They understand the salvation of God in their lives during this time. And they have been raised up for this time. Now, uh, if you remember, this chapter 14 is a parenthesis chapter. And so the timeline has been uncertain somewhat. But the scene takes place or or, or takes us to the Lamb and to the 144,000 as we read on Mount Zion which is the Temple Mount which is in Jerusalem. Now because of that and how we read that, again if you were here a month ago, you know that that kind of raises some questions. Because if it is physical, in the physical sense, that the Lamb and the 144,000 are standing on physical Mount Zion, then it means that Jesus has already returned to the earth in his second advent, his second coming, and he is now setting up his kingdom. And this would be more like a victory party with the 144,000 standing on Mount Zion, Entering into the millennial kingdom. But as I shared with you, these other possibilities that can occur as we're reading this portion, it could be a spiritual thing in that Jesus is is still in heaven, but his spirit has come down to earth to minister to these 144,000. And so in the spirit, Jesus is here, but he is still physically in heaven much like the relationship that we have with, this, with Jesus today. He is on, at the right hand of the Father and we are filled with the Spirit and we are in the spiritual realm in His presence always. Another possibility is that these 144,000 have finished their job and they are now in heaven themselves. And they are in what's called the heavenly Zion. And like I shared with you a month ago, as we started this chapter, that's kind of where I lean. But all these are possibilities. Every one of these scenarios could be a possibility, but I am leaning that way, in that sense. And I told you back then why I lean that way. You can listen to the, to the CD, go online and listen to it. But we looked at the description of these 144,000 and how they were called for this time. And yet, the same is true for us today as believers. We have been called for this time to live in the last days, I believe. To to live in a way that, that will continue to proclaim the gospel to, to a people that is just continually rejecting Christ. Not just the world, but the United States as a whole. We are, we are living in a time today like none other as the United States. That, 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 that for the most part, they have turned their back on Jesus. And anything that has to do with God, they want to kick Him out of everything, everywhere. Man, this message, again, if to preach it 50 years ago, To say, man, we we are past Christianity in our country. Everybody would say, blasphemer! No, we're not, man. We're still a Christian nation. It's like, dang. I kind of doubt that right now. Because of where we're at. But we have been called for this time, for a time such as this. To stand strong. In the midst of the persecution that's coming against the Christian. And so just like they were set apart... For that time of the tribulation time, we have been set apart pre-tribulation time to be able to stand. And so this morning, as we look at verses 6 to 13, we see three different angels with three different messages. And the timeline, it becomes a little bit more certain, but again, we're still in a parentheses chapter, but it does kind of seem like this portion of scripture is kind of at the end of the great tribulation and so verses 6 and 7 once again says this Then I saw a, another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation tongue or every nation tribe tongue and people saying with a loud voice and that word loud voice is mega megaphone is is what it means. It's shouting out, "Fear God and give glory to Him." Why? Because the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. This first angel that John calls another angel, and maybe he says that because they have there has been so many angels that we have come across in the book of revelation he says here's another one <laughs> another angel there is a plethora of angels in heaven there are so many angels and so he says there's another angel but this is the first angel in this scene that we're looking at but it, he, this angel is very similar to the angel that we were introduced to in chapter 8, verse 13, where, where we also f- saw another angel who flew through the midst of heaven, and he flew during the sounding of the fourth trumpet. So because, like that angel, this angel is flying in the midst of heaven, it literally means that he is flying in midair. Or flying through the heavens. This means that this angel is flying through the air or over the earth. Now, the Apostle Paul spoke of being caught up into the third heaven. And the third heaven is where God dwells. So if there is a third heaven, then it only stands to reason that there must be a first heaven... And a second heaven the, the, the first heaven is what we see with our eyes, which would be the sky where the, 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 this is where where the clouds are on this side of the ozone layer layer, if you will, what we could perceive and see that is the first heaven. The second heaven more than likely is what we would call the orbit or orbit or outer space or or all that encompasses this universe, which is vast, which is huge, you know? And, and as I'm thinking about how huge the universe is and thinking, well, when a person dies, they go from like the first heaven, where we could see, to the third heaven in like a, a heartbeat. or Well, no heartbeat. You die and no heartbeat. You get there in no heartbeat. You know, because you're there that quick. Isn't that amazing, man, that that we can't, it takes light years to get through our universe and we have billions of those. And yet, in the spirit, man, we could be from the first heaven to the third heaven. In no heartbeat. (laughs) (coughs) So where was I? First heaven, second heaven, third heaven, where 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 am I? Oh no, we're getting back to the angel. <laughs> so in the first heaven is where we find this first angel that is flying in the midst of heaven. He is in the sky, or literally flying midair. So it almost seems that you could see him, you could hear him as he is delivering what he has to say. And this angel has a message. And the message is the everlasting gospel. The eternal gospel. That's what he is proclaiming in midair. And and it seems like he's encompassing the the world, flying through it, I don't know, whichever way, however he goes through the airspace that we know of. And the word gospel... The word gospel means good news. He, he is delivering the good news. And this good news is everlasting to everlasting. It's forever and ever. What is the good news? The good news is that God has made a way for us. Man, if you will. His creation. To have fellowship, communion, unity with Him somehow. To have a personal relationship with the creator of all things. That is good news. He who, who spoke things into existence says, I want a relationship with you. That's who I want a relationship with. And because man sinned, sin, there was a severing of relationships and it took Jesus Christ to come to put things back together. You see, in the Old Testament, the gospel was Messiah, the sent one, the Christ Christ. Is coming. And the prophets and the priests, they all shared the good news that the Savior is coming. With John the Baptist, it was a repent a, a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins, and behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and his message was Messiah has come. And that's in Mark chapter one and John chapter one. And as Jesus comes on the scene and, and after his baptism and after the wilderness experience, he, 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 he goes into ministry and his message, his gospel is the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, Mark 115. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am the Savior, I have come, I am the good news. And after Jesus' resurrection... The command is to go, therefore, to his disciples, to his people. The command is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's our vision for this year, isn't it? That's what we've been sharing quite a bit. The commission is still here for us that we are to go and spread the gospel just like Jesus commanded his disciples to go and 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 make disciples of all nations when peter finished his first presentation of the gospel he said repent be baptized be saved i like the apostle paul when he came on the scene he preached christ and him crucified which is the simple gospel and you find this in 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 1 Corinthians fifteen one through 4 it says Moreover brethren I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you which also you received and in which you stand by which also you are saved if you hold fast that word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain for I declared to you first That which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That is a simple gospel. (coughs) That's what Paul did. He came and he preached the gospel. And that's the gospel that we still get to proclaim today. That Christ came that he died, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. And you can receive eternal life from that. The gospel message has to do with how God made a way for man to have fellowship, communion, intimacy with him through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so this angel... That we are looking at in verse 6 and 7. This angel preaches that same simple message to those who dwell on the earth during the tribulation time. During the great tribulation time. And more than likely it is after... The hundred and forty-four thousand, but there's that possibility that he is preaching is simultaneously at the same time as the hundred and forty-four thousand have been preaching. So again, the timeline is, is not for sure, but it almost seems like th- th- this angel comes on the scene when these guys are done. But it's not to say that that he hasn't already been preaching the gospel. I remember years ago when I first got saved. Back in the early '80s, <clears throat> there was a Christian TV station, TBN, I think it was, back then, and 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 they they launched the satellite into space, and they called it Angel One. In the hopes that that they would be preaching the gospel and it would reach the world all over the place. Now I don't think this is what John is talking about. I I, I don't think that's what it is. But right on for for those brothers and sisters who. Who, who did that because they wanted the gospel to be spread throughout all the world. And, and, and I'm sure God used that in a mighty, mighty way. But I don't think John is talking about a satellite here. <laughs> and that would be in the second heaven because he launched it out in space. But be that as it may, let's get back to the first heaven here. What I see here, even dur- during the great tribulation time, is the mercy of God during this time Still, with all that's been going on, with the rejection of Jesus Christ and and, and the the church being taken out of the way and and all hell breaking loose on this world and everything's falling apart, God's mercy is still being proclaimed to the people. And this time he uses an angel. He has used humans since the church began. And now he's using an angel to proclaim the gospel. And you know what's interesting? He could have used angels forever and ever. But he didn't. Because angels don't understand redemption like you and I understand it. But he uses an angel at this time because it's towards the end here. And he is still trying to reach those who have not received the mark of the beast. But they still have not received Jesus Christ as Savior. His message... The good news for this time in verse 7 is with a loud voice, fear God. Fear God. Have reverence for Him. And it's going to be at a time when people are are believing a lie instead of the truth. They have been fed a lie forever, just like they're being fed today a lie. But But the message is, fear God. Give Him glory. Give Him the glory. Because everybody is glorifying everything else except God, even today, but more so at that time period. And the message is fear God. Give Him glory. Worship Him. That's powerful because their hearts are turned towards other things to pay homage to other things in their life. And the message is, here is so clear fear god give glory worship him why because he is the creator we see it today but it will be more rampant in that time the creation will 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 worship creation man will worship creation instead of the creator And he reminds them, this is why you should, because he is the creator of heaven and earth, the sea, and the springs of water. And also because his judgment has now come to deal with his creation. And this is your last chance, is basically the message here. We're at the end, he's saying, this is your last chance. And then he goes right into verse 8. He says, Another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city. Because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This angel brings an announcement. And he is coming at the same time as the first angel who brings the message. This one is bringing an announcement. Now this is the first time that we come across the word or a place called Babylon in the book of Revelation. But it's not the last. And we will study more about Babylon in future chapters. But really quick, Babylon is located in modern day Iraq. It is south of Baghdad, not far from Baghdad. Ruins still exist in this ancient city. And up until Saddam Hussein was captured and then eventually killed in 2006, he, before that time, had been rebuilding Babylon. He was trying to bring it back to its glory days. Man, he he was so excited to be able to have Babylon once again functioning as the center of all the world. That was his hopes. Now whenever we look at the word Babylon in the book of Revelation, it always speaks of evil. Sometimes it will be speaking about the literal city of Babylon, whether it's in Iraq, although some think that the literal city of Babylon that's spoken about here in the book of Revelation is the literal city of of rome and others still think that it will be the literal city of jerusalem that it could be any one of those three i don't know might have an opinion when we get to it (coughs) in other words (coughs) sorry now other mentions of Babylon refer to economic or political Babylon, which would be more of the world system and so again, we run into the the, the literal meaning of Babylon, the, the the world system of Babylon and the evils thereof, and yet there's another reference to Babylon, which is the religious Babylon, which will be the false church or false religion of that time that will pay homage will worship the Antichrist. And so we will talk about that when we run into more of the Babylons. But the announcement here in this verse is speaking about spiritual fornication, which is idol worship, or the worship of any other god besides the god of creation. So the reference here is to religious Babylon, and how this religious system will fall during this time. Isaiah 21 9 says, And look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, and all the carved images of her God ha- he has broken to the ground. And so that's where the, the correlation is to the, the spiritual Babylon, the, the church Babylon, if you will. Verses 9 through 11, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on their forehead or on their head, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full, full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascends ever and ever, and no and they have no rest day and night who worship the beast his image. And whoever receives the mark of his name. This third angel jumps right in. Onto the scene. And he brings about a warning. But he is with the two angels. That have already come on the scene. The one with the message. The one with the announcement. And he comes in with the warning. And the warning is. If anyone worships the beast, or the image, or has received the mark of the beast. In this sense, or this scene, with the three angels, there is still hope for salvation for some who dwell on the earth. Even though we are at the end of the tribulation in this parenthesis chapter, with, with this warning, <laughs> so it, 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 it seems as though these three angels, the, the warning overall is, who are you worshiping? They all speak about worship. The, the first angel speaks and he says, worship God. The second angel says, hey, be careful with this false religion and who you're worshiping there. And this one is so specific. If anyone worships the beast, the image, or receives the mark. You see, it seems like there is still a chance, a hope for salvation during the end. Because the first angel, he comes on the scene and he is still preaching the everlasting gospel. We read in chapter 13, that the false prophet's message is worship the beast and the image or die. Simple as that. You either bow down or you die. Just just like what we've seen in Daniel when, when they were told to bow down to the image or get thrown into the fire furnace. There's a consequence for not worshiping the image. So can you imagine... The turmoil that's going on at this time. And yet, the gospel is still going out. Because here we see an if here. <laughs> if anyone worships. So there's a possibility that there's some that are still not worshiping the beast. So there is still a choice to be made during the tribulation time to those who still dwell on the earth. If the choice is to worship the beast and receive the mark because they will go hand in hand then here's the warning. Your fate is sealed. That's it. There's no turning back after bowing down and receiving the mark of the beast. There will be no no chance to change your mind after that you can can see the picture here as the first angel is flying around preaching the gospel telling people to worship God the second angel is saying it will all come to nothing if you're worshiping anything other than God and the third angel is warning people of what will happen to those who do worship the beast you see Even in that time period, some will take heed and some will not to the gospel. Just like today. (laughs) But today, even if somebody sells their soul to the devil, you've heard that term, as long as they have breath in them today, they can still repent from that and God will forgive them of that. But during that time... (laughs) During the great tribulation, once you receive the mark of the beast, there is no chance to repent. You have sealed your fate and there is nothing left but justice and judgment. No more mercy, no more grace for you. The, the mercy of God is truly amazing. It is huge. And it seems... That he has poured it out to the very end, and even to the very end in this time period, people will reject it. Even those who have not received the mark of the beast, there will still be those who reject it and receive the mark of the beast somehow. Or even if they skate through it and come to the very end, they will. They, 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 it's almost like they've already sealed a lot of their fate somehow but people will reject it and it's interesting because when we start reading in these verses about what the judgment is that he will pour out there are people even good people christian people that will say if god is that good and that loving how could he do this to people how could he allow this to happen this kind of judgment you know, and as God is so good and so loving, He is also so just. <laughs> and he will, he will give them what they want. In Psalm 75, 8, it says, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and He pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink down. Jeremiah 25:15 For thus says the Lord God of Israel to me Take this wine cup of fury from my hand and cause all the nations to whom I send you to drink it Jeremiah 10:10 10, 10. <clears throat> But the Lord is the true God He is the living God and the everlasting king At his wrath the earth will tremble And the nations will not be able to endure his indignation. To drink something in in this manner speaks of judgment. And this wrath that we are talking about, the wrath of God that that is going to be poured out full strength, speaks of a passionate anger, as if breathing hard. (laughs) That kind of anger. That kind of wrath, and the warning goes out. You see, God always warns before He acts. Somebody get that door. (laughs) Um, He always warns before He acts on His wrath, and that is His mercy. He will always. Answer. Who is it? It's the Lord. Somebody. He's knocking. (laughs) okay no more of that even if it rings i'm going to ignore it this time (laughs) but that is his mercy that god will never ever pour out his wrath unless he has warned the people first and he is warning his people even today he's warning the world even today and they continue to reject it and when wrath comes it's like how can god do this it's like he's called out He's already done all he could for mankind. And God pours out his wrath, it says here, in full strength. (laughs) It will not be diluted with mercy, with grace, or love. Dude, I don't want to be on that side. (laughs) I want all his grace, all his mercy, all his love abundantly poured out every day. It's like, I don't want to be, I don't want to see the wrath of God that way. And it tells us here that he will pour it out in full strength. And guys, as Christians, that that should hurt our hearts. That should hurt our hearts because you have received so much love, mercy, and grace. And the people that continue, and you're going, but they continue to reject it, Zeke. If they want to go to hell, let them go to hell. It's like, ah, yeah, I know, I've said those things too, but it should hurt our hearts. Still. But this is what people who reject Christ now and in this time period are choosing for themselves and they will have no one else to blame but themselves when they receive God's wrath full strength. They will not be able to shake their fist at God on the white white throne judgment and say, you never told me, you never warned me. You'll never be able to say that. It says that, 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 that it will be poured out in full, into the cup of his indignation, indignation, God's indignation. And that word indignation carries with it a violent passion, anger, vengeance, and punishment to those who think that they can take God on, (laughs) to those who think that they can challenge him and somehow win. And they reject Him. And the offer that He gives, this is what they got to look forward to. The Bible tells us it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God in Hebrews 10.31. It is a fearful thing, man. And the description of this torment is that of hell, and the place, which is a place prepared for the devil and his angels, it says in Matthew 25.14. But Jesus gives us a glimpse of what this looks like. If you want to turn there, if not, you can just write it down. In Luke chapter 16, he gives us a story. It's not a parable, as some would think. It is a story. In parables, he never uses names. In this story, he uses names. And so we need to take heed that this is a story of what happens in hell. In chapter 16 of Luke, of the Gospel of Luke, verse 19, to the end of the chapter, it says, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell From the rich man's table. However, or moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, or Sheol, or some refer to as hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received uh, your good things, and likewise, Lazarus, evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, and you, and and nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my brothers ho- or to my father's house for i have five brothers that have m- many that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment abraham said to him you have moses and the prophets let them hear them and he said no father abraham but if one goes to them from the dead they will repent but he said to him if they do not hear Moses and the prophets neither will they be persuaded though one raises rises from the dead so we get a picture of what verse four, or chapter 14 of Revelation verses 10 and 11 tells us and people might think about this, this, this story, but that this whole deal about being, being tossed into hell or Sheol or Hades. They think, well, we'll get through it. It's no biggie. But it says that this torment will go on forever and ever. Literally into the ages of ages, which is the strongest expression of eternity In the Greek, all of mankind will live forever, every one of us, for all eternity. And God has left it up to man to choose. And it is our choice to choose where we are going to spend eternity. And I know that people are concerned about those who have never had the chance to choose. It's interesting, you're talking to somebody, but what about them people, way over, and, and what I say to that is like, then go there and tell them if you're so concerned about them, but I'm speaking to you right now, you have a choice, and most people that we run into have heard, and they are not ready to choose Jesus, some of them. And in that, they have chosen. They have made their choice. Oh, they may have other opportunities to choose, but then again, maybe not. And they will have no one else to blame but themselves. And so in verses 9 through 11, we have a picture of what it will be like to spend eternity receiving the wrath of God. It's not a one-time deal. It's for eternity. And then in verses 12, and 13, we have a picture of what it will be like th- with those who spend eternity, uh, those who have kept His commandments and the faith in Jesus Christ. We get a different picture. And so I want to read verses 9 through 13 in the Amplified to you. It says in verse 9, Then another angel, the third, a third, followed them, saying with a mighty voice, whoever pays homage to the beast, and his statue, and permits the beast's stamp, mark, inscription to be put on their forehead or on their hand. Verse 10 He too shall have to drink of the wine of God's indignation and wrath poured undiluted into the cup of his anger. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no repriced, no no pause, no intermission, no rest, no peace, day or night. Those who pay homage to the beast and to his image, whoever receives the stamp of his name upon them. Verse 12, Here comes in a call for the steadfastness of the saints, the patience, the endurance of the people of God, those who habitually keep God's commandments and their faith in Jesus. Verse 13, And I heard further, perceiving the distinct word of a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed, happy happy to be envied, Are the dead from now on who die in the Lord? Yes, blessed, happy. To be envied indeed, says the Spirit, in that they may rest from their labors. Their works, deeds, do follow, attend, accompany them. There's a vast difference (laughs) between spending eternity away from God and in hell and spending eternity in heaven with God all because people have chosen either to reject or accept the mercy of God the free gift of salvation which is Jesus Christ who came to pay the price for the sin of the whole world we get to make that choice life is too short not to think about eternity And eternity is too long not to think about life. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we look to you once again, Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for what your word tells us, Lord. Lord, your word warns us that the message has gone out, the announcement has been told, but the warning is there. And Lord, even today, the message continues to be preached. The announcement goes out that all things are futile and vanity in this world. And yet your warning continues to hit us as a people. Lord. And I thank you for those who have received you into their lives already, Lord God. I pray that even a message like this would hurt our hearts Lord even though we have salvation even though we will spend eternity with you that it would hurt our hearts and we would would, would pay attention to the great commission to go therefore and make disciples of all nations Lord teaching them baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit Lord that they may know you in a personal way give us that burden Lord to fulfill that calling. Lord, I pray for anyone who has come in through these doors this morning. Anyone, Lord God, who has maybe been playing the part and truly doesn't know you. Maybe fooling other people around them, but not fooling you, Lord. I pray for those who may have come in this morning who have never received you, Lord. But this morning, Lord God, their hearts have been touched that you would change them with the gospel. That you came, you died, you were buried, and you rose again so that they can have eternal life. And so I want to give you that opportunity this morning if you're here and you need salvation in your life. You need to turn your life around because you've been playing the part of a Christian. You really aren't. And so if you're here this morning and you need that salvation, just simply raise your hand so I can pray for you. And, and, and the raising of the hand is not what saves you. It's your heart that God sees. And so if there's anybody here who needs Jesus, don't walk out without him. Don't reject him one more time. Turn to him if you will. Is there anyone this morning? Father, I thank you Lord, that this morning, Lord God, all proclaiming that they know you right now, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would just give them that, that hurt in a sense. That they would see the people around them, their family, their co-workers, the, the people even in their own homes who don't know you, Lord. That they would have compassion on them. They'd share the gospel with them. Put them in those situations where they will have to speak up for you or deny you. Father, I pray that you would do a work to my brothers and sisters. Go with us now, we ask. We love you, Father. We thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, continue to just fall upon us to do the work here on earth. Thank you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing this last